We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. And away we go, episode 179 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, what is NFL trade deadline day, 2021. Happy NFL trade deadline day, 2021, 4 p.m. Eastern on this Tuesday is the NFL's trade deadline. What, if anything, will our Washington football team do. You likely know where I stand. I want Washington to sell and sell hard on players with expiring contracts, but I have my doubts about that happening, in part because it may well be that few, if any, of Washington's players on expiring contracts have real trade value, but also because aggressively selling is not something that we have seen Washington do. Uh, NFL teams do aggressively sell. That has been a change in the league over the last few years. You know, the NFL has become more like Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL in that regard. But we have not seen Washington aggressively sell, despite Washington having had many a lost season over the years here. Uh, Might, though, this change on this NFL trade deadline day 2021. Washington football team insider Ben Standig of the Athletic DC on Monday afternoon did report that the Washington football team has let other teams know that Landon Collins is available. Now, yeah, who exactly is going to want to give up an asset for Landon Collins and that contract? Uh, We'll see, but that is worth knowing that maybe just maybe Washington has shifted into sell mode. Hello and welcome to an NFL trade deadline day installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We did have a big trade in the NFL on Monday. The Los Angeles Rams acquiring edge rusher Von Miller 
from the Denver Broncos. You see, Washington lost at the Broncos 17-10 on Sunday, and the Broncos were like, nah, we know that we're not good if we couldn't beat Washington by more than seven points, so we need to sell. And sell, the Broncos did. They got back a 2022 second round pick into 2022 third round pick. And so one of the best players in Broncos history is gone. And to Sean McVay's Rams, who could not care less about draft picks and continue to load up on premier talent. That Rams defense now features Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and Von Miller. Uh, Not bad to say nothing of the Rams' new quarterback, Matthew Stafford, just killing it for the Rams so far this season. Oh, what could have been had Washington found a way to keep McVay, but I digress. Rod Rivera is our current Washington head coach, and uh, things are not going well. I'm going to spend some time on the show beginning next segment examining where the heck we are with Don Ron and this Washington rebuild. What does it mean that this Washington football team season is going so poorly. Ron, at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday, addressed that. I'm going to get into that next segment. And then after that, I'm going to get into what Washington is doing during its bye week. Washington will be practicing during its bye week. We don't often have that, but we will be having that with the team. Washington is self-evaluating during this bye week. Washington is sticking with Taylor Heineke as the team starting quarterback during this bye week. I want to talk about that. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday discussed Washington's offense having been slammed by injuries. We'll discuss that. And Ron on Monday addressed the Chris Blewett situation. We'll have a discussion about that. Yeah, there's a lot to sort through from Ron's day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday. You will hear the key audio over the course of this show, as you always do on this show. Also, the Wizards and the Capitals. You know, each team had been doing so well, but each team lost on the road on Monday night. All post-game, the Wizards 118-111 loss at the Atlanta Hawks, and the Caps 3-2 loss at the Tampa Bay Lightning later in the show. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Mike Harwell on the Washington football team and other items. Uh, Writes Mike, I seem to have a different goal for the team than most fans. My focus is not on winning Super Bowls, but rather becoming a competitive team week in and week out, year in and year out. A Super Bowl would be nice, but I will take long-term success any day. Imagine every week the team being competitive with a good chance to win. You make frequent references to the younger fans not knowing anything but failure for the team. Well, it's happened before. My first Redskins game in person was in 1956, I believe. Each year, there was a charity game in Winston-Salem, North Carolina between the Skins and the Packers, oh, by the way, the two worst teams in the league at that time. Failure continued until George Allen, though I love watching Sonny Jurgensen play no matter the outcome. The reality is the successful periods for the Skins are sandwiched between lengthy periods of mediocrity and failure. Lastly, I would find it interesting to hear about your work schedule, both now and during your radio days. The listeners know about your airtime, but I find it hard to imagine the grind it takes to do your job day after day and maintain the enthusiasm you display. Well, thank you for that, Mike. I appreciate that. So a few things there. Uh, Regarding the point about your goal 
for the Washington football team. I think your goal for the Washington football team and most other people's goal for the team are the same in this way. The ultimate goal to me should always be winning a Super Bowl. That's what the NFL is about, okay? Like, if you're not in it to win a Super Bowl, like, what exactly are we doing here? So, uh, the best way to win a Super Bowl is to be what you said, truly competitive year in and year out. You want to be in the mix every year. And the realistic hope is that every few years, things go well enough to where you're a Super Bowl contender. That's the way that Washington was in the glory days under Joe Gibbs in the 80s and the early 90s. Washington basically was good every season. You know, some years were better than others, but every few seasons, Washington won the Super Bowl, 1982, 1987, 1991, and also in the mix there, right, is Washington making the Super Bowl for the 1983 season. Sustained success leads to the ultimate excellence. You know, the two things go hand in hand. So be good every season, and then in doing that, sometimes you'll be great, and that's how I think you put together a run like the run that the team had under Joe Gibbs during his first go-round as Washington head coach. As far as the history of the franchise, you're right. There have been quite a few dark periods for Washington, but there really has never been a dark period like this one. So Washington as a franchise started in 1932 as the Boston Braves. The franchise was good in the 1930s and 1940s with the great Sammy Ball, slinging Sammy Ball. Uh, The franchise then mostly was bad in the 1950s and 1960s, then had the one-year renaissance under Vince Lombardi in 1969, then got really good under George Allen in the 1970s, then was great under Joe Gibbs in the 1980s and early 1990s, and now have come the last 30 years or so. If you study the history of the franchise, you're hard-pressed to find a 29-season stretch like the one that we're in right now, 1993 through 2021. Washington's last playoff season during the glory days was the 1992 season. Joe Gibbs then retired for the first time in March 1993, and nothing, and I mean nothing, has been the same for this franchise since. But this is 29 years of mostly misery, 1993 through 2021. You look at Washington history, you're hard-pressed to find a 29-season stretch like this one that we're currently in. Uh, As for my schedule, uh, I have talked about this before. I mean, I'm I'm not a huge fan of telling people, oh, I work so hard. You know, this is my schedule. I never like it when people in the media do the woe is me thing. Nobody wants to hear that, so I don't love to spend a ton of time on my schedule Uh, But yeah, my schedule is odd. Uh, My schedule is messed up. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Basically, each day depends on what happens that day and night. So I do maintain, uh, wait for it, scheduling flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron, just like position flex. But what I usually do now during the week is I'll tape some stuff early in the evening like, say, Washington football team stuff off practice that day or off the news of that day, since the Washington football team news tends to happen during the day. And then if there are games that night, I'll sleep for a few hours that night, say, you know, eight to midnight or thereabouts, and then wake up late in the night, watch the games on delay so I can fast forward through things, and then tape the show 
in the early morning hours. So what you get when the show comes out by 5 a.m., and many times the show is out well before 5 a.m., is a pseudo-live show. And then after I publish the show, I do the timestamps so you guys know when each segment begins, and then either go to the gym when it opens at 5 a.m. to get huge, uh, or I help the kids get ready for their day. So that's basically my schedule right now in doing this podcast. And it's not that dissimilar from the schedule that I had when I was doing the early morning radio show. But it's important to me that each episode of the podcast is out early in the morning. You know, occasionally an episode comes out after 5 a.m. because of something that happened that night. Like when Washington plays on Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football this season, it's going to be tricky getting those shows out by 5 a.m. But the point is that each show is out very early each morning. My goal with this podcast was for this to be a weekday show. I know that there are a lot of people disenchanted with local sports radio. Trust me, I've heard from these people. And I know that there are a lot of people who just prefer podcasts over the radio. There are a lot of advantages for podcasts over radio shows. So I wanted to make this podcast something that is with you every weekday, as opposed to something that's only there for you a few times a week. You know, most podcasts are like once a week, twice a week, maybe three times a week. And I wanted to make this podcast something that's out by a set time. Too many pods are random with when they come out. You have no idea when they're coming out. Most people want a routine with what they listen to. So I try to provide a routine with this pod. Always know this podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, a new episode every weekday by 5 a.m. Each show there for you when you start your day, however you start your day. So if you have a routine, this show can be a part of your routine. And always know if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Uh, Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. The services of Paulson and Nace are available in D.C., Maryland, and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is a family law firm. The Naces are DMV through and through. Big Washington football team fans. I've known the Naces for more than 25 years. These are good people. These are smart people. And these are successful people. Paulson and Nace is a law firm that wins. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. You see, not all law firms focusing on medical malpractice, birth injuries, product liability, and other personal injury matters have trial experience. In fact, many law firms have no courtroom experience at all and look to settle such cases without ever presenting them to a jury. A client has limited options for reasonable settlement if he or she is represented by an attorney with limited trial experience. Well, founding partner Barry Nace has tried more medical malpractice cases to verdict in Washington, D.C. than any other plaintiff's attorney. If you're looking for a lawyer, ask yourself, do you want an attorney who talks about unverified successful cases, or do you want a law firm that has fought the good fight for decades? Well, that law firm is Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yes, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling Paulson and Nace at 202 902 
702-762-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours. All right. Well, here we are. The Washington football team has begun its bye week, although this is a bye week that will include the Washington football team practicing. More on that next segment. But Washington is two and six at its bye week. Washington is in the midst of a four-game losing streak at the team's bye week. And Washington has the third worst point differential in the NFC at minus 71 at the team's bye week. If only we could say bye-bye to what has happened with Washington this season at this bye week. Uh, Sadly, we cannot. We're all down on this team right now. As I tweeted shortly after Sunday's 17-10 loss at the Denver Broncos and then talked about on Monday's show, episode 178, the month of October 2021 goes down as one of the worst months in franchise history. And that is not exaggeration. The Washington football team in October 2021 went 1-4. The Washington football team in October 2021 was ravaged by injury on offense, continued to underperform on defense, and made what at least right now appears to be a major mistake in releasing Dustin Hopkins in favor of Chris Blewett. The Washington football team in October 2021 had a parade of off-the-field controversies, right? The Ryan Vermillion situation, the Washington Post report of hush money in the workplace misconduct scandal, the leaked Bruce Allen emails, Congress getting involved in the workplace misconduct scandal, the debacle that was the retiring of Sean Taylor's number 21. All of this happened in this month from hell for the Washington football team That was October 2021. And so fans are angry. Fans are disgusted. Fans are fed up. Fans are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I myself am a fan. So I fall into all of this. You know, Washington this season is steamrolling toward missing the NFL playoffs for a 23rd time over the last 29 seasons. This has been going on for basically 30 years. One of the many questions right now for us as Washington football team fans is this, and I know that this is something that I'm grappling with. Is this so far, oh so bad, Washington football team season a flashing neon sign that Ron Rivera just isn't going to get the job done here? Or is this so far, oh so bad, Washington football team season a major growing pain and a lengthy but necessary process. In other words, what exactly is this season? How exactly should we be taking this season? Do we need to see this season as the reveal of Ron just ain't the guy? Or do we need to see this season as, you know what, this is just part of the process, so suck it up and deal with it. This is only Ron's second season as Washington's head coach. It does seem a little ridiculous to be so certain now, halfway into this second season, that he's a failure, given the task that was in front of him in trying to change the culture for this franchise, both on and off the field. But do things have to be this bad (laughs) this season? You know, like, I think we're all willing to accept a certain level of struggling, But there is a level at which you say, okay, this is not right. This is not the way that things should be. 
like, where is the line of acceptable bad? Where is the line of outrageous bad? Because it sure feels like we're, if not past that line, then certainly right up against it so far with this Washington football team season. So Ron on Monday did his day after the game Zoom press conference, and probably the most significant answer that he gave was his answer to a question on how he can get the Washington football team fan base to remain engaged with this team this season, given the growing perception that Washington has gone backwards this season. Take a listen. Well, uh, um, again, uh, last year was was an interesting year, and it's the way things kind of evolved and, and happened for us. But I'll say that the truth of the matter is it, it gets darkest before it gets brightest. We're going to have to go through this. It, you know, there's there's a there's a thing that, that I've learned from being around military personnel is that it takes three to five years to completely change a culture. Okay, Futility doesn't just disappear overnight. And to, to create a positive environment, you know, takes time. It, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, I, I look at the things that I did in Carolina. I look at some of the teams and, and, and you sit there and you watch what Buffalo did, um, which I've talked about. And, and there are some things that, that you sit there and say, wow, you know, there's some similarities. But the one thing right now that, that really is probably the hardest thing for us to, 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 to figure out is, is – do we have a franchise quarterback right now? Is that guy on our roster or is that guy going to be in free agency? Is that guy going to be in the draft next year? So we've got to continue to work with what we have, continue to try and grow with what we have and try and develop who we have. Because if we do have, you know, what we're looking for and we can plug in a guy or that guy does develop on our roster, then we're going to be fine. And, you know, whether they, the fan base stays engaged or not, it's going to be up to them. Um, you know, we can do the best we can. We will play as hard as we can and we'll see what happens. But, you know, we're going to show up every Sunday and we're trying to give our best and hopefully win some football games and get their interest back. But, you know, that's all we can do. It, it's, it's, it's tough. It's hard. I get that part of it. But winning is really the one thing that fixes everything. So that answer right there from Ron was nearly two minutes long. And there was a lot to that answer. Uh, Ron early in the cut said, quote, it gets darkest before it gets brightest, end quote. And of course, there is truth in that. I think we've all heard some version of that saying, you know, it's darkest before the dawn, that kind of a thing. Uh, That is the hope with what's going on right now, that this so far, oh so bad Washington football team season is a growing pain, is a necessary evil, is a part of this process of changing the culture. But Ron in that cut also heavily emphasized that this process takes time. Quote, it takes three to five years to completely change a culture. Futility doesn't just disappear overnight. And quote, there are two things going on with Ron saying that. A, he is speaking some truth. Like, he's not lying when he says that it takes time to change a culture, okay? I mean, we can debate whether it's three to five years, but there is at least some truth And what he's saying, you know, futility doesn't just disappear overnight. True that. But B, Ron is trying to buy himself some time, okay? Like, let's not be naive about what's happening here. It is in Ron Rivera's best interest for people, including his boss, Dan Snyder, a.k.a. Mr. Snyder, a.k.a. The Danny, a.k.a. Danny Boy, to buy into the idea that this whole process 
takes three to five years, you know? So grab a Snickers because we're going to be here for a while. Here's the thing, though. Turning around a football team doesn't take three to five years. We've seen enough successful turnarounds in the NFL to know that a new regime in year one, certainly in year two and year three, is showing significant signs of progress if that new regime is working. Ron's regime, this regime of Ron, did show signs of progress in the second half of last season. So in the second half of year one, Ron showed progress. That was good. That was encouraging. That's a big reason for why this past offseason, a lot of us, including myself, were filled with optimism. But we've seen basically nothing but signs of regression so far this season. And that's a problem. Now, two things to say to that. Number one, a big part of the reason for the regression has been injuries on offense. Washington has been smashed by injuries on offense so far this season. I mean, it really is ridiculous what's happening with Washington on offense right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Logan Thomas are on the reserve injured list. Fitzpatrick played a handful of snaps in week one and hasn't played since. Curtis Samuel has barely played this season. Both Cam Sims and Deami Brown have missed multiple games this season. Antonio Gibson has been battling an ailing shin this season. And forget about Washington's offensive line. Brandon Sheriff has missed the last four games. Samuel Cosme has missed the last three games. Cornelius Lucas missed the last game. And Chase Roulier and Derek Flowers got hurt in the last game. And Roulier appears to at least have a broken left fibula. Uh, That's according to Washington football team insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. The injuries on offense are real, and they have been devastating. But number two, injuries in no way explain Washington's regression on defense. And I know for me, it is the regression on defense that is by far the most troubling thing about this so far. Oh, so bad. Washington football team season. The defense has been mostly healthy. The defense has plenty of talent. The team has, as its head coach, a defensive-minded head coach. The team has, as its defensive coordinator, a well-regarded defensive coordinator. The defense was very good last season, and for whatever reasons, the defense has been a flop so far this season. That doesn't reflect well on anyone, including Ron Rivera. Like, when it comes to reasons to truly be doubting Ron right now, it is the struggling defense that, to me, is the principal reason to be doubting Ron right now. What is the deal with this defense, bro? Why is this defense so bad? Why can't you and your defensive coordinator get through to this defense properly? Why is this defense so impressive on paper and yet so underwhelming in reality? What is the deal with that? And so that brings us to what Washington is actually doing during its bye week. I'll get to that after this. Hey guys, Al Galdi here. Washington football team season continues and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Washington football team tickets because TickPick 
That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only ticket site that you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. This allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. Don't believe this? Look, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And so if you're looking to watch Washington live this season, get your tickets at TickPick.com slash Galdi to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. Whether you're looking to see Washington take on Tom Brady and the Bucks at FedEx Field on November 14th or want to make the trip to Vegas to watch Washington play at the Raiders on December 5th or want to hit up any of Washington's five NFC East games over the final five weeks of the regular season, TickPick has you covered. Again, TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. No more of those ridiculous service fees. Visit TickPick.com slash Galdi right now to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Galdi. That's TickPick.com slash Galdi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We continue the Washington football team conversation right now. The team's bye week is underway, but the bye week will include some practicing. So it turns out that Washington will be practicing on Wednesday, even though Washington does not have a game in week nine. Uh, You are allowed to do this. You are allowed to hold practice during your bye week. Now, this doesn't necessarily happen often, but this does happen. Uh, Just so you understand, Washington practicing on Wednesday was scheduled last week. This is not a response to Washington falling to two and six on Sunday with the 17-10 loss at the Denver Broncos. Although I suppose you can say that maybe the Wednesday practice would have been canceled had Washington won at the Broncos. But Ron Rivera last week saw the need for Washington to practice during its bye week. And I don't think that he's wrong. Good for him for doing this. I mean, this team needs the work. You know, the players may not like practicing during their bye week, but so what? Uh, In fact, here was Ron during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday on whether he worries about angering players by conducting a practice during their bye week. No, I don't. Um, And again, you know, whatever we decide to do this week, we're going to decide to do. Good. 
And that's exactly what Ron's attitude should be. The last thing that Ron needs to be doing right now is worrying about angering his players. Ooh, I mean, you know what? They should be angry. You know, they collectively have not been good enough so far this season. But you know what's funny? The last Washington head coach to conduct a practice during a bye week was interim head coach Bill Callahan in the 2019 season. As you may remember, Callahan took over for the fired Jay Gruden in October 2019. And Bill and Jay could not stand each other. Jay actually wanted Bill off the coaching staff. I don't know if that's been reported or not. That is something that I've talked about over the years. Jay wanted Bill off the coaching staff, and Bruce Allen would not allow that. Bruce forced Jay to have Bill on the coaching staff. Good times, indeed. You talk about dysfunction. Man, was there dysfunction. Anyway, so Bill took over for Jay, and Bill started doing things in really the polar opposite way in which Jay did things, including being more of a tough guy head coach. And part of Bill's tough guy head coach approach was practicing during the bye week, and a lot of Washington players didn't like that. Another thing that I remember regarding Bill Callahan and Washington's bye week in the 2019 season was Callahan talking incessantly about the self-scout. Do you remember this? Callahan kept talking about the self-scout. Callahan would not shut up about the self-scout. There was one press conference at which Callahan went on and on and on about the self-scout. And look, Callahan used to go on and on and on about just about everything at his press conferences. But man, did he sing the praises of this self-scout. I, in fact, pieced together some clips. Take a listen. Go back into the self-scout, uh, coming off the self-scout. So as we delve and take a deep dive into the self-scout. Yes, the self-scout, the Bill Callahan self-scout. You'd have thought that this was like a religious experience or something. Never mind that pretty much every NFL team conducts a self-scout during the team's bye week. That's common practice. You self-evaluate during your bye week. Go back into the self-scout, uh, coming off the self-scout. So as we delve and take a deep dive into the self-scout. Yes, thank you, Bill. The self-scout. Anyway, Ron Rivera on Monday was talking up a self-scout during this 2021 Washington bye week. Remember, Ron, during his post-game press conference on Sunday evening, said that Washington was going to be evaluating everything. Well, Ron on Monday was asked what things he is looking at as Washington evaluates itself during this bye week, as Washington conducts a self-scout. Well, I, 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 I look at, um, I wrote a list down too. I figure where I put that list. I'll go right off that list too, if you don't mind. But for the most part, what, what we're going to look at, obviously, are things that we feel we, we've got to improve at. We'll look at third down. We'll look at red zone. Work through those things and try and figure out uh, you know, exactly what we need to do better, how we need to do it better, what can we do better, more than anything else. Um, but um, on both sides of the ball and, and in special teams, there are things that we have to look at and determine if uh, you know, we're doing the right things with the right people. And that last part was key, quote, with the right people, end quote. And old Don Ron could not find his list while giving that answer. There was something apropos about that, was there not? 
that Ron could not find what he was looking for. We as Washington football team fans right now cannot find what we are looking for. Uh, Anyway, regarding Ron saying, quote, with the right people, end quote, Ron on Monday did say that Washington is sticking with Taylor Heineke as its starting quarterback. And that's notable, especially because Ron, during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening, was noncommittal regarding sticking with Heineke as Washington's starting quarterback. Ron on Monday also said that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be undergoing an MRI exam on his right hip next week. So to me, Ron sticking with Heineke as Washington's starting quarterback is about several things. A, Fitzpatrick is at least weeks away from being ready to play. B, Ron, for whatever reason, remains out of love with Kyle Allen. C, Ron doesn't want to bench Heineke now and then potentially have to go back to Heineke if Allen struggles. And D, Ron doesn't think that Heineke has been bad enough to where it's like a slam dunk that Heineke must be benched. I mean, to me, what we're seeing with Heineke is confirmation that he's a bottom third of the NFL QB1 and an upper third of the NFL QB2. And, you know, that's not nothing. There's real value in that, in having a guy like that on your roster. But that's not who you want as your starting quarterback. Now, look, if Heineke catches fire moving forward, then my stance on Heineke can change. But right now, that's where I'm at with Taylor Heineke. And I'm not sure how you could be at another spot. Like, I don't know how anyone at this point could be saying, no, that's our franchise quarterback of the future. There are things to like about Taylor Heineke, and I have highlighted many of them. But, you know, ultimately, it comes down to, well, how are you performing? And Taylor Heineke, right now, isn't playing that well. You know, he's not awful, but he certainly has not been great. I mean, Taylor Heineke, in the loss at the Broncos, had a total QBR per ESPN through week eight of just 29. That marked a fourth consecutive game for Heineke, in which his total QBR for the game was below 32. Uh, That's not good. Total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. You want your total QBR for a game to at least be in like the 50s. I mean, and that's, you know, that's really not that high of a bar. But, you know, you want to be in the 50s, the 60s. The really good quarterbacks can be up in the 70s, the 80s. And occasionally, you get some lights out performance where a guy is in the 90s. But Taylor Heineke having a total QBR of below 32 in each of the last four games for Washington coincides with what, right? A four-game losing streak for Washington. Heineke just hasn't been that good. Now, he hasn't been atrocious, but he hasn't had a truly good game since the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. And that was four games ago. And it feels like about four years ago now. But the reason that I always look at total QBR is that it is the best singular stat for quarterback play. Total QBR makes usage of the concept of expected points. And so that takes into account context, i.e. a 10-yard completion on a third and nine is treated much differently than a 10-yard completion on a third and 20. Uh, Total QBR is opponent adjusted. Total QBR factors in what quarterbacks do as runners, factors in quarterbacks taking sacks. Total QBR blows away passer rating. I almost never look at passer rating anymore. So, you know, to whatever extent one stat can be a tell-all stat, total QBR is that for quarterbacks. Now, you should never let one stat completely govern how you view a player, but total QBR to me is something to always look at when it comes to quarterbacks. And again, Heineke's total QBRs over the last four games are not good. The 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field in Week 5, Heineke's total QBR was just 24.8. 
the 31-13 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field in Week 6. Heineke's total QBR was just 28. The 24-10 loss at the Green Bay Packers in Week 7. Heineke's total QBR was just 31.1. The 17-10 loss at the Denver Broncos this past Sunday. Heineke's total QBR was just 29. Trust me, I am rooting for Taylor Heineke to do well. I want him to shove it down the throats of the Taters, okay? But the truth is the truth. Right now, Taylor Heineke is a bottom third of the NFL QB1 and an upper third of the NFL QB2. Now, remember, the Taters uh, didn't think Taylor Heineke had any place in the NFL. So he's already won the battle with the Taters. But in terms of like Taylor Heineke proving himself to be a viable starting NFL quarterback, we're not seeing that right now. And he hasn't played that well lately. And that's reflected in how Washington's offense is performing overall. Washington has totaled a mere 33 points over its last three games. That's atrocious. 33 points over three games, even when you account for all of the injuries for Washington's offense. Washington, during its current four-game losing streak, is a woeful 2 of 11 in the red zone. 2 of 11 in the red zone. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday on the state of Washington's offense. I think the thing is, 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 is we, we are moving the ball, okay, between the 20s. Let's, you know, that, that, that's, uh, that we've done. But it's that red zone. We've got to we've got to get we got to get corrected. And there's some things that we'll look at. We'll evaluate everything from you know the quarterback reads to to the protections to the runs to uh, to the uh, to the to the route combinations. I mean, those are all things that we have to take a, a, a nice, hard, long look at. Mostly because you know at, at the end of the day, I think about the last three games can can you know sit there and say, man, if we had scored in the red zone, we could be talking about something different. Uh, but we can't, and and that's the truth of the matter. We are we are we are right now. Um, but I, I, I'm not disappointed in, in in the yardage production. Obviously, I'm disappointed though that we haven't put we haven't put more points on the board because I think we are capable of it. Um, will it help to get Logan back? Will it help to have Curtis on the field? Um, will it help with Diami back there? Um, you know, do I like what we're getting from the running backs? So I like what we're getting from the running backs. You know, we 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 run hard. The guys create things when they get the ball in hand space. Um, can Curtis be explosive? Absolutely. But again, we don't know. And, and getting Logan back, how does that help us in the red zone? Yes. Uh, those are all questions that we're going to, we're going to have answers for as, as we get out of this week and get into next week. Yeah. Yards are nice. Points are better. And a consistent theme during Ron's day after the game zoom press conference on Monday was Washington missing so many guys on offense. You know, the recent trend has been for these Ron Rivera day after the game zoom press conferences to have themes. The day after the game Zoom press conference following the loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field in Week 5 had the theme of, if you remember, uh, if not for two plays, Jameis Winston's first two touchdown passes, things could have been different, right? Ron kept referencing that over and over again. The day after the game Zoom press conference following the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at FedEx Field in Week 6 had the theme of Ron admitting, quote, maybe I need to change my approach, end quote. Well, the day after the game Zoom press conference following the loss at the Broncos had the theme of all of Washington's injuries on offense. Uh, I'm sure that is going to play well. Specific to Washington's red zone struggles, how much do they have to do with Logan Thomas being out? Logan Thomas is on the reserve injured list. Washington placed him on the reserve injured list on October 6th due to a hamstring injury that was suffered 
in the win at the Falcons in week four. Washington has not won a game since placing Logan Thomas on injured reserve. Ron on Monday was asked how much getting Logan Thomas back might help Washington's offense on red zone plays. Well, and again, not just Logan, but, you know, hopefully getting a, uh, a healthy uh, Curtis back on the field, getting uh, Deami out there, um, you know, getting uh, Brandon and Sam back on might help us. It should help us. I, I believe it will help us. And again, it, you know, it's about being able to execute and, and doing the things that uh, we're capable of. And there was that theme again, all of the offensive players who Washington is without right now. It's tricky for head coaches talking about injuries because injuries do help to explain problems, but head coaches talking about injuries uh, then get labeled as being excuse makers. So you're kind of in a no-win spot if you're a head coach and your team has suffered a bunch of injuries and you're trying to explain why things aren't going so well for you. But here's the bottom line. You as a coaching staff need to be good at overcoming injuries. You as a team need to be good at overcoming injuries. And Washington offensively has not been. All right, one more Washington football team topic on this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The kicker. You blew it! Yes, Chris blew it, who, yes, did blow it in the 17-10 loss at the Denver Broncos on Sunday. Chris blew it in just his second game for Washington and in just his second career NFL regular season game went one of three on field goal attempts. His two misses were blocked field goal attempts, leaving him just two of five on field goal attempts as a Washington kicker with all three misses being blocked field goal attempts. Blewett had an early second quarter blocked 45-yard field goal attempt. Blewett did connect on a second quarter 52-yard field goal that tied the game at three but Blewett then had a fourth quarter blocked 47-yard field goal attempt with the game tied at 10. Blewett in his first game for Washington, the loss at the Green Bay Packers in week seven went one of two on field goals. He had a second quarter 42-yard field goal attempt that was blocked, and he connected on a fourth quarter 45-yard field goal. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Blewett's two blocked field goal attempts in the loss at the Broncos. I would say on the uh, on the first one, he hit it. Uh, he hit a little bit too high in the middle of the ball and hit a low one. Uh, the second one, there's a little bit of penetration. Um, still, if 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 we don't give up the penetration, the ball probably clears. But again, he hit those two that were were that were tipped uh, probably a little bit in the middle of the ball as opposed to staying under it. When he hit the 52 yarder, um, he absolutely stroked it. He didn't try to overkick it, and I think the first two, based on you know sitting down with Nate looking at it, that he just tried to crush the ball instead of just going up there and using a nice fluid stroke. Um, it's like a golf swing. You know, the, the the more fluid you are, the better contact you make, the, the better the ball goes, and, and that's really what has to happen when he's kicking the football. You know, on his extra point, same thing. He was nice and fluid. He stroked the ball, um, and he got the ball clear. So that's something that, you know, we've talked to him about, and uh, he knows and he'll continue to work on it. That's the thing. Blewett in the loss at the Broncos had two field goal attempts that were blocked, but he also had that 52-yard field goal that he made. I mean, Blewett did show that he can deliver. He just only delivered one out of three times. Uh, Ron on Monday got asked whether Chris Blewett is Washington's kicker going forward. For now, 
Okay. I mean, you know, we're getting, we're looking at the thing everybody understands is kickers are hard to find. Consistent kickers are even harder to find. Guys that have had success in this league are on teams. Um, you know, there's not a there's not a 90% guy out there right now that you could just pick up and he's going to go out and do it. Uh, and I've gone through this. Go back to my second, third year, or actually my first three years. It took us a little bit before we found Graham Grinnell. But once we found Graham, we had him where he had a five-year run that was about as good as anybody in the league. In fact, in 2017, he set the accuracy record. Um, so, so that's a work in progress. Is there anything else? You know, um, it's just, just part of, unfortunately, the, the, the growing pains that we're going to go through as, you know, we're trying to reconstruct this, rebuild this, and put this into play. So we right there got the Ron Rivera, Graham Gano spiel again. You know, Ron, less than a month ago, used that as a defense of sticking with Dustin Hopkins. Ron on Monday used the Graham Gano spiel as a reason for sticking with Chris Blewett. Maybe the Ron Rivera, Graham Gano spiel is the Ron Rivera kiss of death for a kicker. I guess time will tell on that one. What's also funny, though, is that Ron wasn't exactly uh, all in on committing to Chris Blewett as Washington's kicker, right? Ron said, quote, for now, end quote, in terms of whether Chris Blewett is still Washington's kicker. And what's also funny about what Ron said there is that Chris Blewett is proof that there aren't many good kickers out there because Blewett himself isn't a good kicker. Not right now, anyway. Remember three things about Chris Blewett. He had never kicked in an NFL regular season game prior to kicking for Washington. He hadn't kicked in a competitive game since his final season at Pitt 2016. And he at Pitt uh, wasn't exactly Justin Tucker. Chris Blewett was a kicker at Pitt from 2013 through 2016. He over his final two seasons at Pitt, 2015 and 2016, only went 25 of 40 on field goals. He had 15 missed field goal attempts over his final two collegiate seasons. And I understand that Pitt plays in some bad weather, but still 25 of 40, okay? Here was Ron on Monday on whether we are too deep into the season to be developing a kicker in Chris Blewett. No, I I get what you're saying. But again, as I said, you know, you look out there and you say, okay, well, who else is out there? You know, um, that's the hard part. Is this something we, yeah, we believe it can because when he went out and if you compare the way he struck the first one to the way he struck the 52-yarder, that was impressive. That ball went into the net too. And so you sit there, you know, like you said, the leg strength is there, the accuracy is there. The unfortunate thing is when he gets wound up and jacked up, he goes out there and he tries to crush the ball. And you see it when you break the tape down, his left foot gets a little bit beyond the ball. So as he's coming down into it, he's striking the ball right at just below the middle line of the ball. Mm-hmm. So it's driving it as opposed to getting the lift. So he, when you watch the one he hits at the 52-yarder, his foot is just – his toe is just at the ball, and he strokes it through it, and you see that foot down underneath the, the, the midpoint. So you know he struck it well. So those are the things that mechanically he's got to continue to work on. He does, but again, what exactly are we doing here developing a kicker? The whole point of releasing Dustin Hopkins was to upgrade, not to downgrade. You know, the whole idea behind cutting old D-Hop was to get someone better, not someone worse, and then hope that that someone worse becomes someone better. Things can change. Hopefully, they do change. I'm rooting for Chris Blewett. But right now, Ron Rivera on October 20th, stunningly releasing Dustin Hopkins and signing Chris Blewett from the practice squad 
to the active roster looks to have been a mistake. You blew it! Yes, Ron appears to have blown it. Well, our Eastern Conference leading Wizards got cooled off on Monday night, and the Wizards are leading the Eastern Conference no more. Uh, They're now tied for third in the East. If you're tracking your NBA Conference standings this early in the season, Wizards fell to 5-2 with a 118-111 loss at the Atlanta Hawks on Monday night. The Hawks are a good team. The Wizards beat the Hawks 122-111 at Capital One Arena last Thursday night in a game in which the Wizards were without a number of key players. Spencer Dinwiddie did not play in that game due to rest. Daniel Gafford did not play in that game due to a right quad contusion. The Wizards remained without Rui Hachimura, who still has not played this season, off having missed the start of Wizards training camp due to personal reasons. The Wizards remained without Thomas Bryant, who has not played this season as he continues to recover from his partially torn left ACL that was suffered last January. Well, the Wizards on Monday night did have Dinwiddie and Gafford, did remain without Hachimura and Bryan, but the Hawks were without a key player in Maryland product Kevin Herter, aka the Red Mamba. And yet the Wizards lost, and lost fairly convincingly. The Wizards never led after the first quarter. By the way, with the Red Mamba, uh, Kevin Herter. So the Hawks last month, did you see this? Signed Herter to a reported four-year 65 million-dollar contract extension. Kevin Herter is having a really nice NBA career, and he's one of the few Maryland players in recent years who left school early for the NBA, but has done well off having done that. Kevin Herter left Maryland after his sophomore season, showed well for himself at the NBA Draft Combine, and went in the first round, number 19 overall in the 2018 NBA Draft. So, Good for him. In terms of what went wrong for the Wizards on Monday night, so the Wizards held the Hawks to just 13 of 34 on threes, but the Wizards allowed the Hawks to go 25 of 49 on twos, and the Wizards had a hard time of defending without fouling. The Hawks went 29 of 29 on free throws on Monday night. Now, the Wizards went 16 of 16 on their free throws. Yeah, the two teams were perfect on free throws. It combined 45 of 45 on free throws, but the Wizards only attempted 16 free throws. The Hawks attempted 29 free throws. Sort of emblematic of all of this in terms of the Wizards' defense was Trey Young. So the Wizards did hold Trey Young to one of six on threes, also got him to commit six turnovers, but the Wizards also allowed Trey Young to go six of 10 on twos and to go 11 of 11 on free throws. Here was head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on the free throw disparity in the game. Yeah, to, to that point, I think they were they were very aggressive. They, they were in attack mode the whole night. Um, you know, you could argue that, you know, we were aggressive as well, but they got a, the benefit of the whistle. So, you know, to, to their credit, they got to the line and they made, made all of them. I, mean, I think we were 16 of 16. So good overall free throw night. But uh, the volumes, we got to do a better job defending without fouling. So uh, it's got to be a priority for us. Yes, it does. Also on Monday night, the Wizards got out-rebounded by 11, 47-36, including 13-7 in offensive rebounds. The Wizards had just four second chance points to the Hawks 14. The Hawks, Clint Capella and Danilo Gallinari each had four offensive rebounds. And the Wizards struggled 
when it came to shooting threes. Wiz went just 13 of 39 on threes. Kyle Kuzma went 4 of 9 on threes. The rest of the Wizards, 9 of 30 on threes. And when it comes to shooting threes, boy, is Bradley Beal in a rut right now, even for him. So Bradley Beal's three-point shooting has declined in recent seasons. This is something that I've talked about on the podcast. For all of the great scoring that Bradley Beal has done over the last few seasons, his three-point shooting has not been a positive. His three-point shooting has declined, and Bradley Beal so far this season has been terrible on threes. Beal on Monday night went just three of 11 on threes. That's it. Three of 11 for Beal on threes on Monday night. He also, by the way, attempted just one free throw the entire game. Trey Young went 11 of 11 on free throws on Monday night. Beal went one of one on free throws on Monday night. And Beal tied for a game worst with a plus minus rating of minus 19. Bradley Beal is not killing it so far this season. That's maybe the most impressive thing about the Wizards 5-2 start. The Wizards are 5-2 despite not only having missed a number of key guys, but also despite Beal not having been at his best. Now, Beal on Monday night did go 7 of 10 on twos, finished with 24 points in 34 minutes, 15 seconds as a starter. But Bradley Beal over his six games this regular season is shooting 22.9% on threes. Bradley Beal so far this season is 11 of 48 on threes. He has missed 37 of his 48 three-point attempts. Also struggling on threes on Monday night was Spencer Dinwiddie. He went just one of five on threes. Although Dinwiddie, to me, continues to be a positive. Yeah, he didn't kill it from beyond the arc on Monday night, but he went four or six on twos. He finished with 14 points, 10 assists versus one turnover and five rebounds. And he tied for a team best with a plus minus rating of plus 12 in just 28 minutes, 42 seconds as a starter. Spencer Dinwiddie has been so good so far at avoiding the turnover. Dinwiddie through six games this regular season has 38 assists, versus eight turnovers. Yeah, Dinwiddie has committed eight turnovers over six games. Eight turnovers, that was a game. Heck, that was a half for Russell Westbrook when he was with the Wizards last season. And look, Russ did a lot of good things for the Wizards last season, but still, right? I mean, Russell Westbrook has been known to rack up the turnovers over the years. Spencer Dinwiddie, through six games this season, has eight turnovers, doing a great job in that regard. Uh, Davies Bertans did get injured on Monday night, so we'll have to see where he's at. Not that he's been lights out so far this season, but Bertans suffered a left ankle sprain on Monday night, played for just three minutes, two seconds off the bench. I mentioned Daniel Gafford being back for the Wizards on Monday night. This was good. He returned from a two-game absence caused by a right quad contusion that was suffered in the 116-107 win at the Boston Celtics last Wednesday night. Gafford on Monday night, though, only played for 14 minutes, 31 seconds as a starter. Uh, He finished with four points on two of six shooting, five rebounds, three blocks, and four fouls. So he did get into some foul trouble, as he has been prone to do. Uh, Here was Wes Jr. during his postgame press conference on Gafford's return. No, he looks great. I think just his, you know, he got winded. Uh, which was to be expected, and obviously picked up the fouls, which which hurt his uh, his minutes a bit. But overall, he was moving great. He was active and bouncy. So I like I like what I saw. Yeah, and Gafford has had issues with conditioning and foul trouble. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Toronto Raptors, Wednesday night at seven. 
All right, so the Wizards lost on the road on Monday night, and the Capitals lost on the road on Monday night. And in regulation, it was bound to happen at some point, the Caps losing a game in regulation in this season. And sure enough, that finally happened on Monday night. The Caps, for the first time in nine games in this 2021-2022 NHL regular season, lost in regulation, a 3-2 loss at the Tampa Bay Lightning, which has won the last two Stanley Cup titles. Uh, no shame in losing at the Lightning. Caps now 5-1-3 and three on the season. This was a pretty even game and a good game between two good teams. Uh, this also was a game in which the Caps were without some key players. So Nicholas Backstrom has yet to play this season due to ongoing rehabilitation on his hip. TJ Oshie now has missed each of the last two games due to a lower body injury that was suffered in the 3-2 overtime loss to the Detroit Red Wings at Capital One Arena last Wednesday night. And fourth-line center Nick Dowd did not play on Monday night for the third time in four games due to a lower body injury. Uh, The Caps on Monday night led at the end of the first period 1-0 thanks to an even-strength goal by rookie Brett Leeson, just 1-13 into the first period for his first career NHL regular season goal. You know, it's funny, the Caps have all of these older players, that's true, but the Caps also have a decent number of really young players. Like, you think about the two goaltenders, Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov. You think about Connor McMichael. You think about now a guy like Brett Leeson. Anyway, Caps led one nothing at the first intermission, then allowed three consecutive lightning goals over the second and third periods, and the Caps then got a third period power play goal from Connor Sheary that cut the Caps deficit to 3-2, and that was the final of the game. Now, the three consecutive goals that the Caps allowed over the second and third periods included giving up a five-on-three lightning power play goal off a Tom Wilson interference penalty, 7-43 into the second period. That penalty sure seemed due to incidental contact. Officials could have let the penalty slide, did not. Head coach Peter Laviolette was unhappy about the call during his postgame session with reporters. Vitek Vanacek was the cap starting goaltender on Monday night. He was a cap starting goaltender for a sixth time in nine games this season. He was all right. He just wasn't as good as his counterpart. Vanacek stopped 23 of the 26 shots on goal that he faced. All three of the goals that he gave up came on high danger shots on goal per natural stat trick. Lightning goaltender Andre Vasilevsky was very good. He stopped 31 of the 33 shots on goal that he faced. Caps went 1-4 of on the power play and 3-4 of on the penalty kill. Alex Ovechkin went pointless, but at a game-high, six shots on goal and a game-high, nine shot attempts. Again, really can't be that displeased with the performance. At some point, the Caps were going to lose a game in regulation, and that point ended up being Monday night. Next up for the Caps at the Florida Panthers, Thursday night at 7. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 180, will feature a full react to whatever the Washington football team does or does not do prior to the NFL trade deadline at 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. I'll also have more for you on where Washington is at in being two and six at its bye week, and 2-6 and six at essentially the midway point of Ron Rivera's second season as Washington head coach. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. But the truth of the matter is, it, it gets darkest before it gets brightest. We're going to have to go through this.